Hello, everybody. I'm Lisa Shield. And I'm Benjamin Shield. And we are going to get inside the right male mind. <laughs> that would be this one right here. One of the finest minds, male minds I've ever encountered in my life. Thank you, sweetie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I've said this before, but I created this broadcast on Sundays just so I could hang out with this man and pick his brain. And I chose the word pick <laughs> very carefully <laughs> because the topic today is the difference between being picky and being discerning. So Benjamin's really been preparing for this one. And I think now, before we sat down, he looked at me and said, I think this is going to be a good one. So <laughs> we really hope that you learn a lot today from what we're about to say. So, honey, let's uh, get started. Let me just bring up our notes. Okay. And why don't you start us off? Well, I think the fear of not being picky is the fear that we're going to settle. And, you know, we being picky can get in our own way. It could be an obstacle in finding true and lasting love. Um, but settling isn't an answer either. And so, you know, what we want to stress at the very beginning is we don't want you, this isn't about settling and it's a, not about um, having to compromise your particularly compromise your, your core values. Your values and your preferences matter, particularly your core values. And can those, you talk about what those are, baby? The core values are those things that really define you, you know, uh, as far as ethics, morals, family background, and those things that really are part of your, your DNA. And they're not changeable. They're not changeable. They're, they're in your molecules. They're in your DNA. And... Can you give some examples, baby, of well, core values? Well, you and I share core values. It's one of the things that attracted me to you most of all. Mm -hmm. You know, looks aside and, and personality aside, all of those things. But the core values would be wanting to do good in the world, living with integrity, having gratitude, being emotionally available, enjoying life, loving to laugh, and having a positive attitude. Those are core values. Also, our political views. Right. right. What, where we like to live, you know, mm. how we like to spend our time. Yeah. I mean, neither one of us is going to go hiking. <laughs> right. We want to see the world from a car window. <laughs> right, right, right. And there's that line between core values and, and preferences. Uh-huh. You know, like a wish list. But the core values, we don't want anyone to compromise on. Right. But it's like, well, I'm not going to go camping or hiking and neither are you. Right. I mean, if we went, if we went on safari in Africa and we had to camp or glamp, we would do it, but that's not going to change. So it's one thing, a core, you know, for us, that is a core value because it just isn't something we're going to do. But for somebody else, it might not be. They may be open to do exploring those kinds of activities with the right partner. With the right partner, mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Which I would not be. Like, <laughs> I, my brother loves to camp. I don't know where that ever came from. I not. I I don't think he was raised in our family. 
but you know, I'm not going to do those things. So that would be a core value for me that I wouldn't ever choose a partner who is outdoorsy and wanted me to go mountain biking with him. Or there may be a solution in that if someone loves to camp, they can go off with their guy friends Mm -hmm. and and camp. And you could do something that maybe wouldn't be in his. Yeah. With my girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it but it's not something I would do with a partner. I I think one of the pitfalls of dating is that we have a particular type in mind. We have a an idealized person that we're going to live happily ever after. And when we sit across from someone at Starbucks and we immediately see that well this person doesn't meet that idealized vision, we tend to write them off. You know, we believe Many of us believe that there's this perfect person out there, uh, that there's someone who's going to fit all of our criteria. And for many people, you know, well, we've seen that they've waited for this perfect person and they've been waiting a long time and they may wait forever <laughs> uh, because that, that person may only exist in their mind. Well, can I share something too, yeah. babe, that, that comes up as you're talking As two people also come together and form a relationship, when there's enough there for that to happen, they also grow together as a couple and they shape each other. I mean, the amount of shaping you've done with me. (laughs) And and, and and vice versa. Probably, but, you know, I always feel like like (laughs) I came into the relationship needing a little more shaping than you did. But, you know, we have so molded and shaped and grown together as a couple that whatever we saw in each other, you know, in those first few dates or first few months and even years, who we are today and how we've grown, we had a lot of great raw material, you know, so go on. And also the the choice that we wanted to grow together. Yeah. And the choice that that we focused on those things that were right and and distinguished between the the big important things and the less significant things. Well, many, many of the women we we speak with, they come into the program and they have this this type, you know, and and uh I write the profiles for them because I write them as a man would want to read them. Mm-hmm. And there's some things that they list as preferences, like they they want them to be over six feet tall. And I think that that excludes, I believe, 88% of the men out there. Yeah. And then they need a full head of hair, which may take it down to 6%. <laughs> and then, you know, they need, you know, and their type may be an idealized type, like they want a CEO that can travel the world, that wants to cook with them together and dance in the kitchen together. And and it it can be like oil and water. Well, and one of our our favorite clients of all time, Liz, who came to our house with her amazing now husband, Mark, she said the most beautiful line when when I talked to her, after they met, she said, Lisa, I thought I was going to drive around in a limo to events and 
I was going to meet some CEO and we'd be traveling the world together. And she said, no CEO was going to do the things I wanted to do, like go to a football game on Sundays or cook in the kitchen. It just was never going to happen. And she was chasing this ideal, mm -hmm. this, this, this person that wasn't even real because most of those CEOs were really married to their businesses, to their careers. Right. Or we'd come home so tired mm -hmm. or so consumed that, you know, the idea of cooking together or dancing in the kitchen uh, together, um, you know, it just isn't going to happen. Well, with, they didn't have guy. room for that. They didn't have room. Yeah. And it was an ideal, it was an idealized version of what they thought they wanted. But the truth is, and this is a big one too for a lot of women to realize, those men, they're going to have to accommodate their lifestyle. It's very hard to have two superstars right. in a relationship. So, a lot of these women also come into our program and they've got full lives and they talk about how they want these men to fit into their lives. But a lot of these super accomplished men, these women are going to have to fit into the man's life and not vice versa. Well, it brings up an interesting point because some, some women, as men, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll, we'll talk about the women have this vision of who they're going to find and how it's going to fit into their life plan. Yeah. Their life plan. And so they may have a vision that I want a millionaire, I want this and I want that. And that the man is going to have to fit into their Exactly. Life. Yeah. Well, we have well, we actually have one of the women in our mastermind group met a fabulous guy, you know, a guy who was really terrific, but she has such a full life. I mean, this woman has an incredibly accomplished career and it is, she's brilliant at what she does and she has passions and groups that she's a member of and all. And he wanted to bring her down to his level so that he could relate to her but, you know, in some ways, this is almost a reversal. Her career, she's at the peak of her career. She's only in her 40s. And this is what lights her up. This is her core yeah. value. And she needs a man who's going to be able to accept all of her and not try to bring her down to his level. Right. Where two people can support each other yeah. and not clip each other, you know, clip one another's wings which we do you know we support each other we support <laughs> wait, right no no wing clipping <laughs> wait i've got my shoes i got my scissors right here no we we support each other i mean we find ways to just help each other blossom i wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you and all of your love and support and sacrifice what you have sacrificed to help me become who I am today, it, nobody could ever imagine the gift that you've been in my life. And there's never been a moment where you haven't done everything in your power to help me become who I am. And vice versa, I would do anything in the world. I spent 
you know, six, eight weeks at home while you traveled and you taught in Europe and you did your work. And I never said, well, can I come and see you? And why can't I come along? And why do I have to stay home while you're away? I gave you all the space in the world to do that because I knew how important it was. Yeah. And and when it was possible, I always invited you to yeah, join me. You know, you we, did. We yeah. had some wonderful trips, yeah. but I understood right. that that was your time. My focus. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, you yeah. were exhausted. <laughs> you gave five hundred thousand percent when you were te- when yeah. you were teaching, and you were exhausted by the time you were done. And I know you. I didn't want to get in your way. Yeah. So while we're looking for Mr. Perfect, um, in the meantime, we're probably missing out on some amazing people just because they don't quite fit into that very particular niche that we've created. And so, you know, we sit down and we could make judgments too quickly, too quickly. And we believe that first impressions are everything. Mm-hmm. And time and time again in our program, we have seen when people have given, you know, the the guy another chance, a second date, that they've begun to navigate to those things that are light up for those things that they respect. The, the, the guy becomes cuter, more handsome, you know, with each date. And so many of the, the, and, and, there are countless couples that, you know, women that have found their happily ever after guy. And the common denominator that they'll say is that, you know, it's, I never thought I'd be with a guy like that, you know, that, yeah. that looked like that. And I love him. I think he's the most handsome guy on the, the planet. The other thing, too, is they become more attractive in the relationships. Yeah. When I look at, Way and Leanne, and I, there's a beautiful, beautiful interview on my website for anybody who wants to go to lisashield.com and check it out. Way and Leanne are the most incredible yeah. example yeah. of a couple that they get sweeter and happier, and she gets more beautiful every time we see her. Yes. And Way becomes more handsome. Their smiles become bigger. They, yeah. They're like yeah. kids. They, they, they really giggle. Are. They sit next to each other and giggle <laughs> together. <They're Yeah>. So <laughs> cute. And, you know, just as an aside, Leanne didn't think that she would want to date somebody who has children. Yeah. And Way has a little 12 year old son. And she has taken to this little boy. She's created room in her heart and her life for for him. And it's so sweet because it's something she had always wanted children, but she didn't know if she would date a man who, who had them. And now she got a beautiful little boy yeah. as well. And she's just opened up her heart and made room for that. Yeah. yeah. So... So often, you know, we miss the, the, the right person looking for Mr. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if someone doesn't check all the boxes that, you know, of our preconceptions, it needs to be this, needs to, he needs to drive this type of car, needs to have this type of job, he needs to, 
wear this type of shirt, all of those things. If, if they don't check all the boxes, then they're, that people often don't give them a second chance. Yeah. And we don't know in our lives how many extraordinary people and possibility of happily ever after relationships that we've missed because, you know, there's, oh gosh, he, he drives a, an old pickup truck. Well, you know, <laughs> your, your client, you know, and you know, can you tell that story? Of- yeah, she, she, well, this again, we're going back to Liz, yeah. but she was visiting her daughter in St. Pete's and I guess she was on Bumble or Tinder or something and she matched with a guy and she figured, all right, whatever, I'll go watch the game with him. And he wore torn jeans and he drove an old pickup truck. And she just thought, oh, you know, he he doesn't have any money, but he's nice. He's fun. He's cute. And she really kind of wrote him off. And then I think she went back home. I can't remember where she lived at the time, but her daughter ran into him at a bar one day and said, oh, well, my mom is asking about you. You should really give her a call. (laughs) And, you know, he did. And it wasn't true. She hadn't been asking about him, but because the daughter had come to see the game and actually met him when they were together. And so she ran into him and he called her. And when Liz went back to St. Pete's, they went out again and her daughter was getting married. She was there arranging the wedding and she was talking to him. She figured, well, he's got a truck. Maybe he can, I already have a date. She was going with the the groom's mother. So she couldn't invite him to the wedding, but she figured, well, he can pick people up at the airport and sort of shuffle, you know, drive people around. And she was talking about the band that they had hired for her daughter's wedding and asked if he could pick them up at the airport. And he said, Oh, we had the same band for my daughter's wedding. And she said, what? Cause it was very expensive. He said, yeah, we rented out the uh, country club and we had the same band. And she started to what, you know, and she started, he had had three construction companies that he folded right before the big real estate blow up and he had gotten out right before that all happened. So he had plenty of money (laughs) and he was just waiting for things to turn around. So it turned out that, you know, he was plenty wealthy and they have a wonderful life together. But the beauty was that she really fell for him and it was funny. They had, they have the most Fabulous relationship. Yeah. They're darling together. Yeah. Yeah. So, so many of us expect things to, to be instant. Mm-hmm. Like you sit down and there are fireworks, the eyes lock together, and you, you, know, you found the one that you're looking for. Like, like Prince Charming just showed up at your, at your door. You know? And that's what we're expecting so often. And if we've ever had those first impressions... We know where that's led to probably nowhere (laughs) or probably worse than nowhere. You know, probably we wish that we hadn't, you know, even set foot in that relationship. Well, and most of our clients who really did come into working with us who are very successful 
thought that they wanted a CEO and they wanted these big, full lifestyles and all. And most of those women are with terrific men, but they're not CEOs. They're not living these big lives and all. They're pretty grounded guys who are just really great men, but who are available. Yeah, I I actually have a personal story, which happened many years ago. I was dating a woman, a physical therapist in some in yeah. my field, and and I'm you know I was going one way, and suddenly she was going the other way, and you know I my heart sank, and you know I I didn't realize at the time, but she had already met someone who was a millionaire. And, you know, she just projected that, you know, she would have this type of life and wouldn't have this life with me. She said, well, you know, I think we have different, you know, values. You know, you'll probably never buy a house. You'll never, you know, this or that. And she wound up marrying the millionaire who turned out to be uh, physically abusive and actually sent her into the hospital. And, uh, you know, really, it was a horrible relationship, a horrible experience. In the meantime, you know, I bought a house. You know, we bought a house together in Los Angeles. But you bought a house. Yeah, I mean, that's right. You had a house before that. That's right. I bought a house, mm-hmm. um, and then a, a bigger house, and then this grand property here with a stream and, yeah. and acres of trees behind us uh, in Santa Fe. And you know, this isn't sour grapes, but she's living in an apartment with a guy that she doesn't really care for. And, you know, but if she saw the potential and the core values, which she didn't share with the millionaire, right. you know, she saw, she saw the accoutrements. She saw, well, we could have this two-story house and we can <clears throat> travel, you know, we can do this and that. And they, they never meshed and, you know, she got what she wanted. She got exactly the opposite of what she wanted. Wow. Well, I got what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) I got what she didn't want, which was everything I wanted. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we want to be careful about expecting to be swept off our feet, you know, immediately or, finding the person that seems to check off some boxes, but they may not be the right boxes. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and in the course, we show them what the right boxes are. Very much so. We show them what they've settled for in the past and what they cannot settle for in future relationships. Yeah. Whether they've settled for someone <clears throat> who they had to take care of financially or that the man wasn't emotionally available, did not have a generosity of spirit, uh, wasn't a good communicator. And they look at the part they played in that because yeah. those things didn't happen randomly. They yeah. played a part in that. I take full responsibility for attracting one man after another who I wound up supporting financially. And I'm not saying that some of those men were not wonderful men. I'm not saying that. I mean, one of my ex-boyfriends was never meant to be, but he was darling and we had a wonderful time together. But he, you know, we just were on 
two different levels in so many ways, we couldn't match up. But I wanted somebody, and I it was my lack of self-esteem that I didn't feel I was worthy of being with a man who made a good living. And that was really a stretch for me. I felt like men who made money could pick anybody they wanted. And this is the part about being discerning mm-hmm. as opposed to being too picky of not ever settling again for things that we've settled for in the past that have either made our lives miserable, made the relationship miserable, and kind of soured us for, you know, for future relationships. And so, well, and funniest thing, some of the women, most of the women who say I'm too picky or my friends say I'm too picky, I always think you're too picky about the wrong things and not picky enough about the right mm. things, right? And that's what we really <clears throat> clarify in our program is what are the right things that are like one thing we come up with are the five things. We call it your final five. And we come, we help you come up with your final five, not my final mm. five, not Benjamin's final five, not Rebecca's final five, but the five things you must have that you cannot compromise on. And these things are written in stone. So if you, in the past you've been with narcissists or you've been with men who are abusive or addicted or selfish, you absolutely cannot settle for men who have those qualities going forward. And the man that you're going to be with has to have all five of these qualities or you can't continue to date them. Yeah. And this is a real turning point for the women in the program. I mean, most of the women come through that first month of working with us transformed. Transformed. And clear, crystal clear for the first time in their lives on what they really need to look for. And it doesn't only transform their dating relationship, their love life, yeah. but also their relationship with their family, with their bosses, bosses, friends, children. Mm-hmm. exactly. Everything, yeah. like their whole lives change mm-hmm. because they start to see not just where they were settling in their romantic relationships, but where they've been settling in all of their relationships. One of our clients who just completed our mastermind when we did her exit call, she shared about a situation in her work where her boss had hired another a man for a position that was similar to hers. And this man was treating her poorly and the boss wasn't you know, had not established her seniority in the business. And because of the core, she had the languaging, she had the self-confidence and the clarity to go to her boss and say, look, this is not acceptable to me. I absolutely cannot be treated this way. And it is important to establish those boundaries. And she did that in her work. And her boss had came back and said, you know, I've made it clear if this continues, I'm more than willing to let him go. So that was a game changer. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's so important to not let 
the small things get in the way. You know, so many things like like driving a truck or or you know that they're nerdy Star Wars fans or think uh, one of the goals is making what I say the container large enough to include these things, these these differences that are the small differences. Mm-hmm. What what has to be in that box also most importantly are the core values. Yeah. Honey, um there's a few comments. May yeah, I sure. may I come here sure. and look at some of our listeners? Um, what do you tell women and men when it comes to their looks and appearance? How to deal with it on a daily basis? Well, I think it's always good to phrase it in a positive light. Like, you know, you look so good when you comb your hair. Or or you know, <laughs> or brush your teeth. <laughs> or, right. Or I love that shirt on you. Uh-huh. Rather than say, I don't like these other shirts. So um Almost always, we want to make the other person happy, and we want to look good for the other person. You know, we, we don't want the other person to to we don't want to mirror back that we're not attractive to the other person. So, since wow, you look so attractive with the, those new glasses, or you know, I love those shoes, or or you know, you you look so much better in the other ones than what you're wearing. You know? <laughs> or I prefer, I, what, I you prefer. know, the shoes I really love are yes. the ones you wore last time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, Olga, in answer to your question, it's it's putting it in a positive way, um, because as soon as it's if it's put in a negative or what may be interpreted as condescending. Um, that it can turn the guy off. It could say, why bother? You know, uh, I'm never going to make her happy. So if he, if he knows a way that he can make you happy, you know, wow, all I have to do is, is you know, uh, comb my hair more often or wear a cleaner shirt or whatever it, it may be. Um, and then, then you, you, you sit back and you, you see how it's responded to you want a man who can make a woman happy. So it says, what's the difference between staying myself and making changes in myself in order to attract the right person? What changes did both you did both of you have to make? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think the changes came from being in relationship and loving each other. You know, but prior I, to relationship and attracting each other, you and I both did eight oh, years. Oh, be- of, before we met. Yeah. Before we met. Right. Well, I think doing the work before meeting the person you want to be with. Uh, so you've worked through, one has worked through so many things before the relationship. That's so important. So that, you know, we, we know who we are. We know where we stand in the world. We know it's important to us. And we're not just like a something floating in the wind trying to find those things when we're in a relationship. But, you know, talking very specifically, Olga, I did a ton of work prior to meeting Benjamin. And I was working, you know, I came out of my first marriage and I realized I spent 13 years with 
my ex-husband, five of those years we were married, and I didn't want to keep making the same mistakes. And I looked at myself, look, I can tell you my ex-husband was a pathological liar, but I picked him and I chose to stay with him for way longer than I should have stayed. And so I didn't want to waste another 13 years of my life going in and out of bad relationships and all. So this really became my mission to figure out how to get a handle on my emotions, how to choose a better partner, how to relate better to men. And I don't look at this as making changes. I look at this as growing and evolving. So a lot of women resent the fact or there's a a whole line of thinking in the self-help world that we're going to have to, you know, you shouldn't have to change yourself. Well, I didn't change myself for Benjamin. He never asked me to be a different person or to change who I am. I evolved who I am. I became much more sophisticated in this part of my life so that when I met a man of Benjamin's caliber, I wasn't a little girl. I grew up and I became a woman, not a girl, so that I could have a relationship with a man, not a boy. So that's the difference. I really worked on this. And this is what we do in my program Yeah, or our program. Yeah. And I, I think that when we met each other and we got to know each other and we fell in love, that we weren't asking the other person to change. But yeah. what we became for each other is what we call guardians of each other's souls. So it's not that I wanted Lisa to change, but I saw more of who Lisa is than, than, than she could see herself. And I could see more of her soul's journey than she could see. So I didn't ask her to change. I didn't try to change her. I fostered who she was and her soul's journey. Yeah, and I was willing. I wanted to grow. And I'd never had that um, unconditional positive regard, you know, to use a term from Carl Rogers, but I'd never had anyone in my life who just saw me through eyes of love and saw my potential and nurtured that in such an, a loving and uncritical way. You've never criticized me. You've never judged me. And I think we do that for both, you know, for one another. But we both did our personal work before we met. And I knew one of the Um, One of my goals, I looked at all of the behaviors that I found unattractive about other women, and I said, I don't want to be that with a man. I saw how women act out, emotionally manipulative we can be um, with, you know, playing games and whatever, having one foot in and one foot out, and I didn't want to do that, and I also knew that any real man who was worth his metal wasn't going to put up with that from a woman. Any evolved conscious man, which is what I wanted, wasn't going to play those games with me. And so that was my work to, to not bring any of that into a relationship. And I'll just 
you know, one thing I'll, I'll add, um, I always took the deepest cut. I, when I saw something that wasn't working in my life, and I really got clear that this is an ongoing issue and it's not going to self-correct, I found the thing that I felt would help me look at that and change it. And the biggest one was going to a 12-step program for food because my dad had been an alcoholic. And, you know, whatever anybody can say about 12-step programs, and I believe me, I stood on the outside and made plenty of judgments, but that was one of the most humbling experiences of my life to actually sit in those rooms and look at my issues with food and have to get rigorously honest and follow a program that, you know, was rigid. And I only did it for four years. And then I met you. But those four years were four of the most transformational years of my life. And you were still doing it when we met and mm -hmm. I supported that. Yeah, you we're, supported yeah, it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I told you right away. So let's look at some more questions and comments. Uh, uh, Sheriff said, beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. And we love, love, love having men on, you know, listening. So thank you, Sheriff. This is difficult and complicated. Thank you for trying to simplify it. Thank you, Jeanette. Thank you. And it's good to see you. I know that you come on frequently. So, so nice to see you to interact. I'm curious to know how you collected all your Asian artifacts. <laughs> well, we have a wonderful store. We've, we've actually traveled, Gay, to uh, Morocco, and we've bought a lot of those things there. We have a friend, Eric Salter, who is uh, an incredible antique stealer here in... Uh, Not stealer, but dealer. Did I say stealer? No. <laughs> <laughs> the words just ran together. They ran together. <laughs> antique stealer here in Santa Fe. <laughs> He's amazing. So I bought, we've bought some beautiful Buddhas from him. And then there's a store here in, in Santa Fe called Surrette and Sons that is one of the most beautiful import stores. And so we've gotten a lot of uh, antiques. And then the two beautiful shelves that you see in the back, those were from my beloved great aunt Ruth, who um, she, she left those to me when she passed um, some years ago. So that's how we got those. <laughs> Gina, hello, hello. It's so good to Hi. see you. Uh, Benjamin, Lisa, Benjamin, you oh, are the best. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Aw, thank sweet. you, Gina. It's so good to see you, honey. And you said, question, Mr. Benjamin, he is nice. He loves my daughter, emotionally present, but lives a very mundane life with no self-development, which is a critical part of my life. And Gina, that would be a core value yeah. for you, honey. I know. Um, I know you and I know how important this is for you. So um, at 43, he has no savings, no house, no plan for the future. Am I wanting too much? No, I think I first I commend you for giving it a try. But in the light of day, this is not. And if nothing changed, this is not how you'd want it to be 15 years from now. No, you need a person, a man who's really a match for you. These are core values. And 
you know, what you wrote, honey, has settling all over it. It just has settling. I know what you bring to the table. You are amazing. Don't underestimate yourself. There's a man out there who will be your equal, and it's important. You know, this may have been a one validating relationship because it sounds like he has a good heart, but he's missing so many of the things that are so important for someone, especially for a woman like you. And the most important thing in a relationship, particularly for a man, is respect. And I think that respect may not either be there fully or may erode with time. Yeah. If you, you know, all of these things, if he's not you know, if he has no savings, no house, no plan for the future, and these are core values for you, these are things that you live and, you know, die by, that I know you, I know your sister, you cannot settle, honey, and you shouldn't have to settle. I promise you there are men who will bring to the table, you know, in equal measure what you do, but don't compromise. Don't compromise. You get one life and you want to live it with a man who really shares your core values. So another uh, listener says, where does the line lie between being too picky and not respecting the person? My friend, 37, is dating a 43-year-old who makes six figures, has never married, no kids, but has zero savings, had 50K on a car loan, no house, no 401K, but otherwise kind and financially illiterate. Am I overthinking this for her? She has nothing to say she gains by being with him at this moment. We not only want someone who's financially secure, but financially responsible. So if we're having to look over our shoulder and and see something that he may not be seeing, like while he's, well, because the money's going somewhere. Well, and he's never been married at 43. Yeah. Though, though there are some, you know, successful marriages when people are you know, sure. mature. One of the problems, though, is that if he's not financially responsible, sometimes that can also be a sign of an addiction. That is, you know, there are debtors, there are people who, no matter how much money they earn, they are debtors. And there's actually debtors anonymous is not just for people who under earn, it's for people who overspend as well, people who debt and live outside their means. It doesn't matter how much money you're making, if you don't save and if you're not fiscally responsible. And the fact that he's never been married might be a sign of commitment issues. Yeah. I'd be very careful. Um, I just passed on meeting a CEO whose schedule, whose schedule sounded impossible mm-hmm. on the only phone call. He waited until 10 p.m. to confirm our first date. Yeah. Um, one thing we, we can't have is fitting, fitting into someone's nook and crannies into their schedule yeah. because it's no longer a, 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 an equal relationship. You're always waiting for, oh, he's got an hour here or he's got a day here or we finally get a weekend together. And that's never going to be satisfying. It, it's never going to scratch the itch. So no matter how good some things look on paper, 
in reality, we yeah. want someone, when Lisa and I met, I was putting in probably 70 hours a week minimum in my practice mm-hmm. between my practice and administration. And when I met Lisa, those hours melted away because I wanted to spend more time. And there are CEOs that are so, they'll be more married to their career than they will be to the, their partner. Yeah, so many relationships. If you look at a lot of marriages and you talk to some of the men, um, especially you know the ones who are in their, you know, who are divorced in their 40s or whatever, one of the main reasons for those divorces are that these men were so involved in their careers and they may have had children. The wives were very involved with the kids, but they never saw their husbands. And then after a certain time, they realized that they were so distant and far apart. So you want to be very, very, very careful and make sure, especially for those women who are younger and you're wanting children and families, that you are with men who value family and time together as much as you do. Yeah. And there are men that, that get so much more positive reinforcement from their career than they do from a relationship because yeah. their career is established with the relationship they have to work at. So they default to their career. Yeah. And just for time's sake, I'm going to kind of go through some of these quickly. Sure. How how about saying no to a good man because he is not good with finances? You know, Gina, finances is a huge part of building a future together. Money is the number one reason why relationships break up. So it's extremely important. And one of the biggest things is for a lot of the women I talk to who come into our program, they've been financing and supporting like I did the men that they were with. I This, this time around, I didn't want a man who he didn't have to pay for me. I, you know, that's fine. Although Benjamin has been beyond generous, I will just say that. But you know, I, it was very important to me that I didn't support my next partner because it just doesn't work. It's not, it doesn't work. Actually, today is Lantern Festival, uh, also called Chinese Valentine. Oh, oh, sweet. Thank you, Karma. Thank you. <laughs> very, very sweet. Lisa said I'm on eHarmony and not to impress so far. What dating sites have you found good matches with? I find... Uh, eHarmony to be one of the least good sites out there. I would say things like Bumble, Hinge, Tinder for apps. And um, we really like Zeusk, OkCupid. And for women who are 50 and above, we also like Silver Singles. I know if you're in your 50s, that's a little rough. We want to answer as many questions as possible, but I, I also want to get back directly to the yeah. subject of go ahead then. So, I think one of the 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 obstacles of the internet of internet dating, as opposed to um, the internet hasn't been a, around that long. I mean, when you and I met over twenty years ago, but it, there were probably three dating sites, three main ones. Now there, you know, we we couldn't count how many. And there's the paradox of choice, where. There's so many people, you know, like in, in, a, in a city where there are millions of eligible people, millions, that we're reluctant to choose one, 
because we never know when you know the grass is going to be greener somewhere else. And so uh, we'll sit down and we'll make a very quick decision and and we can become addicted to swiping, you know, yeah. to swiping right or or swiping left because there's just so many people that that um, that we may be missing the really good ones um, because we always think, well, well, if I, you know, if I choose him or at least choose to explore a relationship that, wow, because there may be five other guys that, that are more handsome, that are taller, have better hair, uh, better car or whatever it is. And we're, we're not settling. When I say settle, we're, we're not understanding the core values that that person may have, what they can bring to the table, how they could make your life bigger rather than smaller, like fitting into a CEO's life, make someone's life smaller. But so the goal in a relationship isn't compromise, isn't settling, but how can we make each other's lives bigger? And I I will say one thing, not every CEO, by the way, is unavailable. I mean, I think about one of my clients in Los Angeles who is married to a man who started with some friends, an incredible restaurant chain. And he's a wonderful father. Yeah. And they're terrific partners. Absolutely. So it doesn't mean every, I don't want to label or say that every CEO isn't going to make time, but you also have to know that many won't be able to. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think one obstacle also is that you could find, one can find a really extraordinary person. The sparks are flying. You know, they're fireworks. You know, they're, the eyes are meeting. They're two and a half hour Zoom conversations and, and, and you close the restaurant down and all that. And then after a while, the spark may fade a, a bit. And people think that, you know, often people can think that, well, this may not be my guy after all. Well, we expect those sparks to fade, to become something more deeper and and lasting and more loving. And so um, people sometimes become picky or serial daters because they're they're expecting that spark to be maintained. Well, they're attached to the feeling. Yeah, they're attached to the, even addicted to the yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. And so um, just expecting that, yes, I savor every moment of this and it will evolve into something even more beautiful mm-hmm. that will feel different, but will be even more deeper and more beautiful. And we also encourage our clients not to look for that spark, that big you know, emotional high. We actually want our clients to look for something that starts out maybe at a, you know, at a, um, oh, this is a nice guy, but I'm not sure where this, you know, I don't know. And then to go on some dates and see if that builds. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is that sometimes people are, are seem very picky. And they're serial daters, and they tend to always find something wrong with the person they're sitting next to. And 
it may be their brain that's that knows this subconsciously they're not ready for a relationship yeah. uh, and so they create this illusion of of what the ideal partner would be and and with expectations and that no one could ever live up to and um and in some ways, they're protecting themselves and sabotaging themselves at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's something we have to look at ourselves to see if we're going from date to date to date and we're finding these things that are wrong. You know, well, you know, he's got this or uh, he's got all these good things, but he's got that going for him. Um, how much is true? How much is trusting our gut instinct, which we you know, really promote in, in developing the gut instinct and, and which should come from both the head and the heart. Uh, but we want to see if we ourselves are ready for relationship or we're just going through the motions and, and we're, we're being too picky because we really don't, you know, we're not ready for a relationship at this time in our lives. Yeah, and if you're not finding anyone, anyone that's acceptable to you, then you're the common denominator there. It cannot possibly be that there's no good men out there. I mean, it just it's not true. And if they're not if you're not finding them, either there's something going, you know, there's something going on with you. You're either being too picky or you need to look at yourself. Maybe, you know, there really are some good men there who aren't asking you on second dates. And you need to look at that too. If you're not being asked on second dates or third dates, then there's something happening with you. Because what we often find is the women who say there's no good men, when, they, when we ask them, well, there was this guy, but he never called me back. He never asked me out again. So there's that too. You may actually be turning some men off if they're not calling you again, the ones that you really like. There is so much more that we could say on this. We have lots of questions that we didn't get to answer today. So what I think we'll do is we'll bring this up again. We may uh, uh, revisit this and also talk a little bit more about what you can do, give you some tips on how you can stop being too picky. But we do need to bring today's talk to a close. I want to thank you all so much, especially those of you who ask questions. We really appreciate it. It's so good to see some of you coming back over and over again. I am Lisa Shield. This is Benjamin Shield. Please tell your sisters and brothers and aunts and uncles and mothers and fathers and daughters and sons and your girlfriends, your guy friends about this broadcast. We uh, really, really, really appreciate all of your love and support. If you think you may be pushing away some good men, if you've been looking for love for a very long time and you haven't gotten this solved, please go to lisashield.com, click the button to watch my free minute presentation. At the end, you can jump on a call. You can sign up for a call with me or a member of my team to talk about how we can help you get this solved in just three months. Imagine having the clarity you've been longing for, the 
answers you've been wanting all your life and a clear path forward to finding the guardian of your soul. So please, please, please jump on a call with us and let us help you find your Benjamin so you can get inside the right mind. Also, give us a thumbs up or a heart or whatever. You can like us on um, YouTube. You can give us a thumbs up here. If you can do that, we would appreciate it. You can like and rate the podcast. We into all of your feedback. We greatly appreciate it. And also, please send us your suggestions to, Lisa, to podcast at lisashield.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Lisa Shield. And I'm Benjamin Shield. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.